full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. What up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the fantastic Short Bus Cinema, where we love to watch the movies you hate, and we hate a lot of the movies we watch eventually, (laughs) but uh, it's all in fun, and I can't do this alone, obviously. I have to have somebody on the show with me, and that has to be the coolest man on the planet, Mr. Johnny Crew. What is up? How's it going, man? Glad to be back. This is going to be a fun one. Stoked. Oh yeah, yeah, because we're we're getting into your territory of where you're at now. So down in Texas. Actually, I'm really close. Actually, I'm, I'm probably about thirty minutes away from where this was filmed. Oh, let, let's take a tour. <laughs> <laughs> Here's where the RV flipped. <laughs> and today we're talking about uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation, which. Uh, had a very, it's notorious and it had a very long shelf life before it actually came out. Yeah, it's got Captain Picard in it and and Data and Reading Rainbow, <laughs> right? Is that next generation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. Uh, there's a lot of mixed emotions about this movie, and we had you know we got our list out there on the Facebook page of all the movies and people can submit their ideas of bad movies to us and this one kind of stuck out because it was by another podcaster that kind of put this on the list I know we had Gary Hill last week but this week we have the most awesome Mark Ball or also known as Fancy Slacks uh, of fame from Fancy and Friends podcast which does movie commentaries and then also one of my all time favorite shows Midnight Horror Show and uh, so we're excited about having him on he brought this movie up so if you don't like this show it's his fault that's that's the way I pass it off <laughs> <laughs> so you want to go ahead and take a quick break and we come back we can uh talk to mark and discuss some texas chainsaw four absolutely folks you just hang tight we'll be right back right after this Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick... <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. 
If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. And now for our feature presentation. And we are back today talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the next generation. Also, the choice of a generation, Coke. But uh, <laughs> before we get into that, I'd like to introduce our guest, Mark Ball from the Fancy and Friends podcast. How's it going, dude? It's going great. I am ready to boldly go where no crappy Texas Chainsaw sequel had gone before. <laughs> I, I think we're going to debate that at some point. <laughs> yeah. This, this is an interesting one because, yeah, it's... it's uh, uh, I, after rewatching this, I think it's really debatable whether or not this one is the worst in the series because there's a couple really bad ones in there. And uh, yeah, I, I think I have a slightly different um, viewpoint on this one than I did when I first saw this. I, I first saw this movie when I was about 16 or 17. I was kind of like, yeah, it's it's when I was first really getting into horror movies, and I'd seen Texas Chainsaw one, two, and three. Uh, I, I I love the first two, three. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get back to that a little <laughs> bit later. Uh, and four, I had an extremely uh, I guess you'd say like visceral reaction to this the first time I saw it. A friend of mine loaned this to me on VHS and said, "You don't have to give this back to me. You can keep this movie. <laughs> Do with it what you will." And I should have known right then and there what I was in for and oh. <laughs> i sat down and watched this movie uh it was not really i i didn't really know what to expect but it really was uh it, it fell short of my expectations of a texas chainsaw massacre movie of course uh the the 3d one hadn't come out at this point so I mean, <laughs> right that's a whole another set of low standards oh, but um <laughs> I absolutely hated this movie when I first saw it, and I took it out of the VCR as soon as it was over and threw it in the garbage. And I've never done that to a movie ever since. Unfortunately, when I rewatched it this time, I didn't have a copy and didn't know anybody that had a copy or like real handy at the last minute. So I had to pay four dollars to rent this in HD off of Amazon. I did and, the uh, same thing, but I did it on YouTube. <laughs> Kim, Kim Hinkle, I want my four dollars back. <laughs> Uh, my, my exposure oh, to this movie was, is pretty pretty similar because it was around the time when they started showing it on you know HBO or all your cable channels and stuff. And I only caught I don't know maybe an hour into it, and I saw some of the dialogue where they're in the kitchen and all that stuff's going on. And I just said no. So I never really even seen it. I refuse to see it just because it's bad enough. Because I'm I'm usually not that judgmental, but the cover art made me look at it and go, "Yeah, that doesn't." I mean, uh, the chainsaw chainsaw lipstick thing just made me go, "Yeah, not interested." I think three had hurt me enough, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's going to keep going downhill." So I didn't even really check it out, and it just happened to be on that one day, and I saw a part of it. And I was like, "Nah, I'm not even going to try to go back and watch." this thing so i did eventually see it 
I don't know, 10 years ago or so, and I was like, eh, you know, it's it's schlocky, like anything else. But uh, watching it again last night, it's still schlocky. <laughs> the thing is with Texas Chainsaw, The Next Generation, was I remember following its production when it was just being made and stuff back in, I think, I think it was made in like 94, 95. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the name kept changing. They kept saying The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Next right. Generation. It kept having all these different title issues. And I'm like, if they can't decide on a title, man, this is this is not going very well. Because that's the least, <laughs> that's probably your least uh, serious thing. I did look up the research on that and saw what happened and why it was done that way. So we may tap into that in a little bit. But yeah, initially it was 94 and it really didn't come out till around 97. And it was bought up and shelved because of who was in it. So interesting. Exactly. Story. Yeah. That's, interesting story. Yeah. I, I, they both filmed it. Uh, they filmed it when they were going to UT here in, T- in Austin, and basically their names had blown up by that point. Yeah, and uh, they, they wanted no association with this. But uh, the funny story: the first time I actually saw this, I was actually walking by somebody's garbage can outside, and I saw a copy sitting there on top. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just have you been to Wyoming, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, no, I mean this is. I think this is gonna be a really fun one to talk about, though. Yes, it is so, for sure. I'll, all right, I'll go ahead and get into this. Uh, this movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation, technically 1994, but it has a uh, IMDb score of 3.2, which is, I think it's fairly low. But I mean, I can understand why it would be that low. And uh, this movie is written and directed by Kim Hinkle, who everybody probably knows. He is the person who basically co-created this with toby hooper back in in 1973 right and it seems like to me what happened was it seems like they created this masterpiece and then toby said well i'm gonna do what i really wanted to do with it so he did part two then somebody in california decided to do part three and everybody was like what's going on with that who's that guy and then kim hinkle's like no no i want to i want to do my version of the story so basically you have (laughs) <laughs> One full version, then you have Hooper and Hinkle's like battling it out, which I mean I will say two is superior to this by far. And uh, three just kind of lingers in there somewhere. I, yeah. I th- three is the thing. I know we're not talking about three right now, but three is the least Texas Chainsaw feeling Texas Chainsaw movie to me. Basically, you're describing the Meatloaf and Jim Steinman story because <laughs> they made one. Exactly. You make the first great album, and then you say, mm, this is not the way it's supposed to be, though. I'm going to do my own version of it. And then, So think about that for a second. Let's think about the impact of the first movie, how great it is. And then, just like you said, Toby Hooper deciding, I want to do the version I always wanted. Now, this is a coked up... <laughs> Canon-sponsored Toby Hooper. <laughs> oh yeah. Who knows what and, he really wanted to really do? Really heavy with it. on the on the <laughs> super heavy on the black comedy. Yeah, and I love this too because I looked it up as well. But the 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 guy that wrote this said that part four was supposed to be. I want to take it back to to the original, and I'm like, really? This, this is this <laughs> oh, is what well, you consider going back to the original? When you look this up on Amazon, uh, in the description, it says, like, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but it says it's a hilarious, terrifying remake of the first film. It's exactly what it, it is. It, it <laughs> says that. And then, yeah, I didn't really think about it, like, the first time I saw this, but, yeah, going back, there are some nice little nice little nods to the first movie where they, they at least tried to, like, I don't know, I, I don't think Hinkle was, like, 
unhappy with the way the first one came out and wanted to do his own version. I think he kind of just like happened into the rights with it and was like, you know what? I'm going to do the, you know, I'm going to try and re-kickstart this franchise basically and call it Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think is a way better title. <laughs> yeah. But uh, honestly, I feel like every interview I've seen with them when they when they are talking about the first film, like on all the features on those movies or on that movie, uh, it seems like both guys always talk about how they the movie wasn't received like they wanted it to. I guess it was supposed to be more comedic than it came off as and it, it, and it actually ended up being one of the most horrifying horror movies of the decade right. and I think they both were just taken aback like people didn't get the humor like so when they both did their own little version it's like we're gonna amp up the humor and be as ridiculous as possible yeah definitely I, I was gonna say I know we're not talking about part three but uh, that, that movie I feel like because at the point where I saw part four the unrated cut of part three hadn't come out yet i i lump part three in the same category as friday the 13th part seven and that it's a victim of the mpaa and that like all like that movie is so much better with all the special effects left in it like without it it's really 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 unsatisfying and i feel the same way about friday the 13th part seven it came at that weird time in the ratings the whole the whole thing with the ratings deal where they were really cracking down on horror movies and making them cut all of yep. the good violence out of them that, and, uh, that was a really bad time for horror. That it being, really was. That being said, though, I absolutely love Part Seven. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Yeah. It was so I, ridiculous. I but pass. I mean, I went. That's one of the most fun I've ever had at a theater. Was when a buddy of mine went and saw that in a the theater, and we were just dying. And I don't know, man. I loved. It. I think we got it. You know, where most people were disappointed. I, I thought it was great, but that's just it's it's it, Seven's still a great movie. But I, I would kill for an unrated like oh, like yeah. if they restored stuff and put it back in there i would kill for that <laughs> but come on man you get the potted plant that's flying across with a head in it and it hit that's jason that's gold it's man. smashed by, that's a couch. <laughs> by a flying couch <laughs> wrong movie we need to get back on track wrong franchise <laughs> Um, but as we, we discussed earlier, Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, those were the two leading actors in this movie. And basically, when this movie was made, they hadn't made a name for themselves yet. <laughs> By the time this movie had become this like notorious underground kind of thing, it was like she was in Empire Records and several movies, and he was in uh, like A Time to Kill and a couple things. And it was like, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and put the kibosh on this. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the story I heard. Is that what you were talking about, Ricky? Like, they basically... There was that, yeah, the, you know, uh, whatever company it was that got the rights to it, shelved it because they knew Jerry Maguire was about to come out, and they knew that... That was the big one. There was a lot of talk going on about, you know, she could possibly get nominated for some awards and stuff because of this movie. So they decided that on the, the coattails of that, if we throw this out there, after that point... Then it's 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 gold. You know, people would be wanting to see it just because what she was in what, and of course, then you get the backlash of no, we don't want you to release this. So, you know, it it had a, a back and forth for a while of you know they were holding it for the right intentions of total you know uh, exploitation, but you know it it kind of got you know sidelined too because people are like no we'll pay you not to release this movie <laughs> and uh, an embarrassment to their careers right. and their lawyers tried to sue it into non-existence which is weird because i mean maybe on her part but mcconaughey's mcconaughey i don't care what movie you put him in he doesn't act any different in this movie than he does in any other one <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and say right here i think he's the best part of this oh without like, a hands doubt. down without a hands doubt. far yeah. yeah without a doubt 
Yeah. So this movie, it starts off with a really shaky narration by Grandpa Monster. It's <laughs> slight, slightly better than the narration from Part Three, but not much better. I mean, it's it's really uh, just not very good. The first two movies benefited from having really good narrators. <laughs> and I, re- uh, I really it, love. I, sorry, I really love in the in the beginning crawl where it says um, it, it refers to the other. There's like right. there was an incident in 1973 that was like it was like this big deal. And and then there were two other minor incidents after that, right. referring to parts two and three. It's just like, that's a little bit of a slap in the little face jab. of those movies. I love it that it says, uh, and no one was apprehended. I'm like, really? I mean, you know, dude got ran over by a semi. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were outside the front yard of the house when they you know got hit by the semi. Uh, a truck picks up the girl. The, how could they not go back to the house and go? Yeah, this is the place. So whoever lives here, whoever gets their mail here, they're the ones who did it. Hello. <laughs> Apparently, Vicky, you haven't seen you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw 3D because they do go back and get them. In case anybody's listening, that's in case listening that's that is unfamiliar with the Texas Chainsaw franchise, there is no continuity between these movies None. except for the two Michael Bay movies. None. Like, so don't don't even try and connect the dots; they don't fit. The Leather, Leatherface gets gutted with by a chainsaw at the end of Part Two by Dennis Hopper. Right. <laughs> I, I do. I think I think Part Two connects loose like more loosely. Or better, I guess, than the other ones. Because at least part two, uh, Nubbins is the hitchhiker, apparently. So uh, they, they, they And they had the whole story of uh, Chop Top was in Vietnam right. and that's why he wasn't there in the first one. So at least they tried a little bit there. But part three, I mean, there's like a, a little blonde hair girl running around the house. There, there's like women in the family. If continuity is the reason to watch the Michael Bay versions, then don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first one, okay. But Anyways, we're getting we're we're, we're going to end up doing the whole franchise <laughs> <laughs> in one episode. So the movie starts on May twenty second, nineteen ninety six. I'm glad they actually, when this got released, went in there and updated that. <laughs> and uh, we get a nice three minute lipstick tutorial, like we're watching YouTube. <laughs> we're YouTube. So other lipsticks. <laughs> That opening shot grosses I mean, me out so much for some reason. I don't yeah. know what it is. It's like, nasty. And then, and then, and then, well, and then they come back to it later with Leatherface doing the, doing the exact same thing. That's but, what grossed me out. Yeah, that Leatherface one grossed me out. They're both kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't like the ultra, ultra, ultra close-up. It grosses me out majorly. Right. I was kind of hoping <laughs> Renee Zellweger was Leatherface myself, but that's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen her since her plastic surgery? She's not too far off. <laughs> she probably screams just like him, anyways. <laughs> oh god! So uh, it's what? it's prom night, and they're all going to the prom, and I, and I I think it's a drunk teacher that's standing outside. But man, I love this guy. This I is the best. They all look the same age, so it's confusing as to who that guy might be. <laughs> And he's do, he's going through this whole spiel about oh it looks so fabulous in there and they've got this and that and all and the girls they walk off and he's like I hate these these teenagers <laughs> yeah. he's got a, he's got a beer in his hand so right. like it's like is he a teacher what the, what the hell? what's going on here and what's the deal with them taking the pictures and it's the flash sound from the the camera from the 1973 version so you're like <laughs> come on man this is 96 <laughs> the camera does not sound like that at all I mean I know you're trying to tie no but it you in, would hear but- a lot of that. <laughs> You know where you had to wind the film, and you'd hear that in the background, right? Is that little clicking? <laughs> I like so they go in. They go into this uh, prom, and Heather, she's one of the main girls in this movie. She ends up going to the teacher and asking if if they she's seen her boyfriend Barry, Ricky Ricardo. And this teacher, <laughs> yeah. 
and this teacher is basically she's like the, the school gossip i guess she's like trying to cause relationship problems but uh Heather, fortunately enough, is comforted by her <laughs> friend who is like Brittany Murphy hopped up on goofballs. Yeah, part contortionist like, this, or something. This girl, yeah. <laughs> she was weird. She was moving like an alien. <laughs> like I don't know that that was an actual human. I think she may have been wearing a skin suit. It was Emily Rose. We just didn't see the rest of her story. <laughs> <laughs> I think there must be like a scene. Well, they talk about her later, and I kind of missed what the dialogue said. But I think they're implying that there's something like mentally wrong with that chick. And, oh, then, and then she's like, but she's got a smoked body. And it's just like, oh, this is, this is offensive, sort of. <laughs> this is so, not done tastefully. Then you got Heather. So, um, you got Heather that runs uh, outside, and she's looking for Barry. And you get that scene. She's like, has anybody seen Barry? Barry, where are you? And I'm like, he's right there. I mean, not even four feet away from you, and he's not responding like he doesn't hear you yelling because he's with whoever this other chick is. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> I mean, if you're in the same room with somebody, you're going to know it. you know. And this is pretty pretty close to that. I mean, there's not far at all. Well, she catches him. Like, that pillar they're standing behind is like six inches, so she should be able to see them. <laughs> but he's he's back there mugging down with this other chick and so she storms off gets in barry's car and i guess she's doing all these like uh you know circles and stuff in the uh, parking lot but then she ends up letting him into the vehicle for some reason sure and uh i I don't know if you have this piece of dialogue but he says something he's like man it's like it's like i can't even say hi to my friends anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's just like like, i was i was i was just kissing her that's all and he's, she's like, I, I don't understand. So I can't talk to my friends. I'm like, that's two totally different things, dude. But this guy's obviously a player. I mean, that's just what this guy does. And they go into a lot of dialogue of, you know, you guys just have to have sex. If not, you know, you can have prostate, prostate cancer and die and all these weird things of just how miserable it is to be a guy and you have to have sex, which is true. But uh, <laughs> he also mentions that his dad is a lawyer on more than one occasion. Right, right. But when he brings up well, the prostate the, thing, then then in the back seat, out of nowhere, pops up uh, uh, Renee Zellweger <laughs> and her boyfriend. Looks like uh, what, what I have, Nick Carter. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> you got Lemon Face and Nick Carter back there, and she she pops up just to. Well, first of all, she pops up just to tell tell um, her friend Heather that, that was a lie yeah. that he said, but. They're like, you guys were smoking weed in the car. Did you not smell the weed in the car when you got in there? <laughs> like it, that smell tends to linger, just a little. But because but of that, you, you get you get the uh, the great car conversation where they're driving down the road, and they they because of the jump scare of her being in the back seat and her not paying attention when she's driving, then they kind of have a little fender bender, and they just speed off. They don't care. Then you get this great piece of dialogue where uh, Heather is just uh, a morbid. 90s teen, apparently. <laughs> I just thought of something so cool. What if we got into a wreck and we crashed into a car in front of us and we all died? They could write a song about it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> very very 90s. Great. They really tried to, to, to drive that home of, you know, that, that 90s mentality of, it'd be so cool if we could just die together, you know? <laughs> well, it reminds me of Trash and Return of the Living Dead and her, her right. big monologue in the cemetery talking about sex and death. And that that was like 10 years before this. So I, Return of the Living Dead was ahead of its time, I guess. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Well, they did it, they did it much better back then. <laughs> yeah. 
Linnea Quigley so, is a much better actress than this chick, and I never thought I'd say that about Linnea Quigley and well, anybody. Yeah, again, watch <laughs> Death Mask. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was in some garbage. <laughs> The, the, the funny thing is they're driving without aim. Like, they, they have no idea where they're going. So right. they end up on this dirt road, and they keep saying, we need to find a spot to turn around or we'll get lost. And there's literally, like, two lanes of road, dirt road in front of them. Just turn around. <laughs> but instead, the, the, the bimbo driving the car ends up gunning it and, like, almost, like, she doesn't T-bone a guy, but she ends up, like, crashing in with another vehicle. And, uh... <laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah, he... he he gets out and he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine," and then just passes right the hell out. <laughs> That's his one line in the entire movie. He, he, he must have been one of the producers' like sons or something that they promised to roll to because he has one line of dialogue and then very comically falls over. And that's it. So they decide that they just they decide that uh, Aaron Carter or Nick Carter, whichever Nick Carter's going to stay there with this guy while the other three go for help. And they walk about a mile and they end up at what was it a mid forest realty office? Sure. Like, like it it looked like a, it looked like a it looked like a realty office like right in the middle of the woods right it's <laughs> like I, nothing there i've got business trailer <laughs> two words that don't go good together so uh, the woman inside her name's darla they meet her and uh she looks like she's, uh, she looks like ray finkel from <laughs> from <laughs> x ventura <laughs> she does she laces out She's pretty rambunctious. She calls uh, someone on the phone we hear his name's Vilmer. That's a fun name. Yes. <laughs> she, while, while they're waiting for him to come uh, show up at the, the accident site, she someone throws, a I guess, a rock through her realty window. And so she goes up and she flashes him, which, hey, this is the, as far as I know, this is the only Texas Chainsaw movie with boobs. I don't think there's any other. Very possible. Yeah. I think you might be right. I, and, and, yeah, so, I, and I, has that. I applaud him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, Vilmer shows up. He uh, this this scene is hilarious to me because <laughs> Vilmer shows up and he starts inspecting the guy that's on the ground passed out. And he tells he tells uh, Nick Carter he's like, "Oh, this guy's dead." He's like, "No, he was just talking in his sleep a second ago. He just passed out." <laughs> he snaps his neck in front of him. Oh. Nick Carter starts running. So so Vilmer he's gets dead now. Was <laughs> oh, so, no, the best part about that though is he he he. Pulls up next to the guy, and the guy's out of breath. Just saw this guy get murdered in front of him, and he says, "Please, sir, you're scaring me. <laughs> he's scaring you now. You're, that's what's scaring you. He just snapped someone's neck." Yeah, and then you get the dialogue of this. This is what's great. I call him Robo Redneck because that's, that's the part that, that McConaughey's playing in this movie. Because he's like RoboCop with his leg, but he's super redneck, and he he says this incredible line: well, first, I'm gonna kill you. It ain't no fucking biggie." <laughs> I mean, like I said earlier, McConaughey plays McConaughey. It doesn't matter what movie it is. He could have went, all right, all right, right there, and it would have fit. So, I think he ad-libbed every line he says in this entire movie. I mean, I he's, agree. Like, he's playing I crazy that, McConaughey. Yep. Yep. I think he was on Goofballs, too, and they just said, let him say whatever he wanted. But, uh, <laughs> did, did, now, here's a fun game to play when you watch this movie. Every time he's on screen and he, he's, you know... Pr- pretty illuminated where you can actually see his leg try to pick out all the household things they used to make that <laughs> it looks like a it looks like a vacuum tube at some point right there's there, 
<laughs> There's like some cords coming off of it. And, like, it's, it, it, they literally just went to someone's like shop, their like auto shop, and just grabbed stuff and made this prosthetic. Uh, to me, man, it reminds me of being a kid and making my own backpack for for Ghostbusters. You know, and you took the, <laughs> you took the hose off the vacuum cleaner and you run it. You know, for your for your gun. And I mean, that's what it looks like. It's it's ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. He flips, he flips out later in the movie because his batteries aren't charged because he actually has to control his robot leg with TV remote controls. He has like five or six of them that I guess I'll do either the same thing or the different thing, but he's always carrying around a pocket full of TV remotes. And this is maybe the most like off the rails of the series. Like this is one of the things like about this movie that makes it the most off the rails out of all of these. I think the, the, the stupid well, Ed, leg. At one point, it looks like uh, when when someone else has the remote, it looks like he's doing the stanky leg. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell is he doing? <laughs> well, it's just That's the fact that, and I guess because the, again, they're trying to take the three movies and turn it into its own thing. But I guess the leg brace from the third one is where they got this goofy of idea of, of applying it to this story because there's no other explanation of why he would have a leg brace on. Well, not only that, but like. If you're trying to say that like part three was a lesser of a film and stuff, why are you incorporating crap into it? Right, right. <laughs> From that movie, yeah. <laughs> that can be the only, that's so the only I, explanation I know is why that's even even in this movie is because, oh yeah, well you know technically you know there is a leg brace, but it's not on Leatherface. <laughs> oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also leg, took leg brace is what I think of when I think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> They also right. take another thing from it too. Um, if you remember, um, the we'll get to him later. There's a character in this movie named We, and at the beginning scroll of part three, they yep. say a guy named We Sawyer was apprehended. So right. hey, they 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 borrowed a couple things from that movie. They, and so Kim Hinkle needs to shut his mouth if he's trying to say that this is any any better than that. <laughs> but uh, so I love the scene that's coming up because. A car passes by our truck, and so Heather and Barry decide to chase it, even though it's not slowing down at all. <laughs> so they they immediately oh so they ditch they ditch uh, Jenny, and this is the funniest thing to me in this entire movie is within within five seconds she gets attacked by a black trash bag out of nowhere, man! It just flies up, just, and, <laughs> and she's really struggling with that thing, man. It's it was just. You had your jump scares in all these movies, but that one was probably the the funniest one I've ever seen. Because <laughs> you think somebody's just putting a bag over or whatever, and it's, it's just <laughs> just a bag blowing in the wind out in the middle of a forest. And we didn't even talk about Nick Carter running, but, you know, dude, just run out in the woods, man. Uh, you know, yeah. we covered Christine in the car on an episode a while back on Helming, and both movies are like, why do people just run down the middle of the road? Run somewhere where they can't get to you. Is that that hard? Sir, turn stop left it, you're or turn scaring right. me. Turn left or turn right, and they will not be able to get to you. I mean, you're, chased, you're being chased by a dude with a leg brace on. Get to where he can't drive the truck. Pretty simple. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, we skipped the point where he actually runs over Nick Carter in the truck four or five oh, yeah. times, which is great. <laughs> it's pretty it's, good. It's fantastic because, again, it keeps back, backing up and going forward and backing up and going forward. And it's, it goes on and on and on, and it actually is like pretty. like. And they don't really show a whole lot. There's not like a good. Reminds me of that. It reminds me of uh, that, that Family Guy sketch where Brian thinks he ran over Stephen King. He's like, "I was Dean Koontz," and he backs back over him. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah, your group, group gets separated, and then, like you said, you get the garbage bag. And then you go back to Heather and, and Ricky Ricardo that walk up to a <laughs> abandoned house, apparently. And I don't know about you guys, but the whole time Heather's walking around, I just want to walk up to her and, like, wipe that little place off of her face there but it's across her eye you know across her nose there oh where she got hit yeah it's like just hey just do this <laughs> well they they go they, they go to this house and she decides to do kind of the pam thing from the original film she sits on the, the swing up front because uh except for this one's actually on the porch it's not out in the yard and the, the cinematography is way worse than this one because the first movie had great tracking shots incredible yep that one of my but, favorite shots. So, actually. oh yeah, it's a, that yeah that under the, the under the swing shot where you just see Pam's nice rump walking up to the house is fantastic. But Barry ends up going around the house to look for help, and uh, meanwhile, some really crazy porch shenanigans ensue. Basically, Leatherface is sitting standing behind Heatherface, and <laughs> Heatherface ends up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It ends up like messing with her her hair clip and just just it's it's like stuff you would do in middle school to distract the person in front of you. Except for this is a grown serial killer doing it to a girl. <laughs> well, and, and, and I, uh, I didn't understand why at first, but when you get more shots of Leatherface later on, I know why because he was really envious of her hair, man. Because Leatherface oh, yeah. in this movie, folks, has a Jerry curl. <laughs> Jerry curl. Oh moment. God, his his haircut is so bad. <laughs> So bad. It's like the power mullet. It's not, not just a regular mullet. It, it's like an ele- it's a, a mullet turned up to 11. <laughs> With the jerry curl in the back. And he's walking around in the camo jacket and the purple pants. I'm like, what is mankind in this movie? What's going on here? That's what I thought, too. <laughs> he accidentally knocks over a broom and gives away his uh, location. And she flips out, as you would when you saw sure. this big hulking mass of a man that's got a human face on and uh that's one thing throughout this movie you'll notice is whenever they want to show any kind of emotion with Leatherface, he always shrieks like a shrill old woman oh man (laughs) it's it's that's that to me is the worst part of this entire movie is every time he shrieks absolutely it's kind of funny at first but it's he does it in every scene that he's in and it's just so grating and annoying by the end of it you're like this was not a wise like acting choice on this guy's behalf like he's not menacing at all <laughs> well he, he screams more than the no. victims do that's the thing I've, I've got a shot here where he's chasing somebody and, and he's louder than the victim is so. <laughs> I mean the, major, the majority of the screaming you're hearing is him <laughs> Like I, I kind of get what the actor was going for. Like, it, yeah. the, there's always been different interpretations of like how to act out. Basically, Leatherface's mental illness, whatever that may be, that's uh, sort of left vague and open. But it's it just takes away all the scariness of him and makes him look like just a big dumb baby. And it worked in like the second movie, kind of. I think they ramped up like the Leatherface dumbness for that movie, and it becomes pretty comical. But it works in that movie. In this one, I think you kind of wanted him to be a little bit more scary. I don't think Leatherface is scary at all in this movie, and that's kind of one of its biggest failings. You can't have a Texas Chainsaw movie and have Leatherface just be a big, shrill, screaming baby. It's just it just does it makes the whole movie not work for me. Oh, exactly. McConaughey is the number one villain in this movie. There's just yeah. no yeah. comparison. Yep. And uh, that, that's kind of what I, I I do like that Matthew McConaughey is so 
over the top and he chews every bit of scenery yeah. because it makes up for Leatherface being such a uh, a dud in this movie. Yeah. Like, next we meet Jeff Foxworthy. He takes Barry at gunpoint <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, he, he he's always he's always qu- he's always quoting like historical <laughs> famous lines. So I started calling him Jeff Faxworthy because he's just. He keeps quoting Ulysses S. Grant and like past presidents and stuff. Yeah, this redneck knows and, his uh, stuff, man. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, Barry does end up ditching him because apparently this guy is just completely retarded. He he, he runs up to the porch and just goes in the front door and then locks him out. I'm like, oh, yeah. that was hard. <laughs> Dude had a gun on him the whole time was, and he just you know going in the house. Of course, I guess he knows. What, well, he's not going to get out of there anyway, so. But <laughs> what about the, what about the scene when the girl gets away when Heather gets in the room though and they're fighting through the door like you know he Leatherface oh, yeah. he punches through the door and it knocks that whole middle panel out and then you get another shot where there's still part of it back up there it's like uh, yeah. uh what happened here and that's that was like he, the one shot where Leatherface is almost good in this I I kind of like that stuff where he's like basically chasing the chick through the whole house and that yeah. felt a lot like the first movie kind of but that's that's about it for Leatherface in this movie the rest of this I, I, I like what Johnny said he's pretty much of a dud but then he then he kicks in his <laughs> his, his former you know WWE wrestling you know powers in and actually <laughs> you know instead of fighting through the door he decides to knock the door down I'm like dude why didn't you just do that in the first place I mean I don't know man it's well, just it's 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 weird <laughs> it's weird <laughs> he, he throws her in like a, one of those like giant freezers yeah. and she keeps popping out of it she pops out of the thing like four times but am i mistaken or does he put a, uh, an engine block on top of that freezer but, but the, you know uh so they, they they mimic they're mimicking things from the first film i mean she she gets put in the freezer and right after this uh ricky ricardo gets hit in the head with a sledgehammer so they're like doing it almost exactly yep yep the same yeah, it's it's just it's a retelling of the first one. Um, so again, and Mark said it as well. You, you know what they're going for here. They're they're trying. You know, you have to give them credit for trying, but uh, it just it just doesn't hold up to the original. But anyways, that's why we're talking about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> then you get you know Ricky Ricardo just goes to the bathroom. You know, after he's been held at gunpoint, he decides, well, I probably need to go use the bathroom now and. So he thinks he's talking to Heather, and you know she's not there. But then you got you know the <laughs> the 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 body in the bathtub, which makes perfect <laughs> sense. I mean, yeah, let's just have a body in a bathtub. Um, it's lame. It's lame. It really. I mean, it looks good, but it's lame. Just the fact that it's there, like you wouldn't. Smell and the fact it. that he he walks right past it, right, yeah, and he right. doesn't smell it at all. And right. then, yeah. Oh, good. that thing's way past decayed. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and then he comes back out, and that's when he gets the sledge to the head, and he drags him in there where she's in the freezer, and he's gonna plan to put him in the freezer, I guess. And he's like, wait a minute, I've already got somebody in there who's still alive. So he pulls her out and puts her on the hook, which is still not effective as the first one at all. I mean, they try to do the exact same thing where you don't see the hook, and they put her up there. But I think we don't give enough credit to Terry McMinn's acting on that in the original. We always think about the effect of it. But she's the one that sells it, and this girl does not sell it. 
you know, well, and the fact that in the original, the fact that it was totally bloodless kind of goes along with like the whole rest of the movie. In this one, it feels kind of like they did it because they were cheap and like it just it, it <laughs> wasn't. You you kind of need the gore at this point. Like it's already like we're on the fourth movie in the series. Like you kind of got to like amp up. You you got to raise the stakes a little bit. And if you're gonna do the exact same thing, you got to do it like either a little bit different or a little bit better. Yeah. And I don't I don't think they did like they didn't improve on it at all. And it just it felt unsatisfying in this yeah. one i was like oh they're they're doing that whole thing but well, there's nothing, nothing again, different me, or good I mean, about it. again it's just it, it, with her being up there because she doesn't even really react she just kind of goes oh oh you know it's like i'm sure that it would be a lot more painful than that yeah so it's, it's <laughs> that it's that selling point you know that just kind of hurts that and and again they didn't improve on it, it it's it, it, but again, it's it's the retelling. So Ricky, Ricky Ricardo's in the freezer. She's on the hook. We move forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jenny's out walking on her own still. It seems like she's been walking for a long time. She should at least have reached the house or something by now. But <laughs> she ends up getting picked up by Vilmer and yeah. uh, Robo Red. He, I love <laughs> Robo Red love picks up scene. Lisa Loeb. <laughs> <laughs> You say, please don't kill me. <laughs> the the scene the scene with her and Vilmer in the truck was where I realized that Renee Zellweger is she she must have gone to some acting classes between this movie and Jerry Maguire and all the other stuff that she did because she is awful in this movie. <laughs> she Absolutely was way better. Absolutely awful. She was way better in Empire Records, and that was shortly after this. Yeah, she goes through this thing kind of like she's on sleeping pills or something. Like she's obviously in like really, really horrible danger. She she even sees the two dead bodies in the back of the truck, and still her reaction is just like, "You're scaring me, Mister. I'm gonna get out of this truck right now." It's like, <laughs> no, you would be clawing your way out of that truck, shrieking bloody murder if you saw two dead bodies in the back, and this guy is talking about killing you. You would be acting like full blast at this point not not what she does and yeah this is where i was like oh god our our heroine in this movie is atrocious maybe she was on heroin (laughs) (laughs) i think she just couldn't act didn't care about this movie at all so she just didn't try because it it goes on through the whole movie her non-acting and i'm just like oh my god this is why her lawyers wanted this movie buried it's because she's terrible in it (laughs) and you're probably right i honestly i honestly hope ricky in a few minutes i hope you have a sound clip of her because it, it really does display how bad she is in this. Uh, but I'll get there and I'll get there in a few minutes. But it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's it's so bad. So you're right. She jumps out of the vehicle and uh, she runs into the woods. And Vilmer, like you said with uh, Aaron Carter earlier, Nick Carter. Yeah. She she had the right thing. I mean, she did the right thing. She ran off. She realized that uh, you know this guy is not going to be able to chase her through the woods. Right. So she ends up. Getting away for a little bit until she gets leather chased through the woods. Well, <laughs> it's 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 a little it's a little better because uh, you know she jumped in the woods, but she jumped in a place where fifteen little bitty you know four inch wide trees are. Where if she just stepped to yeah. the, to the right just a little bit, she had a running path. <laughs> but no, I'm gonna I'm gonna trap myself in here in these little bitty trees and not be able to get out. So yeah, still not very smart. Smarter than 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 Nick was but you know still not very high up the up the scale yet the thing with this scene is that i w- i'm going to say it felt like she 
comes into contact with his family and escapes about 20 times in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it yeah, just it keeps trapped, happening. I'm like... Yeah. Well, I mean, when she's trapped in the trees, you get Jerry Curl Prince's face that jumps up with the chainsaw, and, and he's, <laughs> he's hitting the trees, and there's sparks coming off of them. Now, I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> we use chainsaws a lot. Sparks do not come out of trees when you hit them with a chainsaw. They just don't. So, just just a note for all you fans out there of chainsaws. That that's that doesn't happen. It looks cool though. Sure, it does. <laughs> that's what they were saying. Well, she does. She does eventually end up back at the house, and uh, it's kind of the whole Sally thing from the original. Yep. Where she runs up the stairs, she gets cornered, and then she ends up jumping out of a window. Yep. <laughs> Except for this time, she cl- climbs an antenna, crashes through a greenhouse, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, it's it's like. It's so crazy that she's just climbing, climbing to the highest point. She ends up on a power line at some point. Yeah, which well, you, and you skip the pond scene when they, when they come across the little bitty creek that's there, and it's like this scene is ridiculous because it's like chasing each other in slow motion because you know, and they're not even two, three feet away from each other. Intense screaming, but picking up your foot and trying to step forward, but it's not in a panicked motion at all. That scene right there, folks, you got to check it out because it, it is, when you look at it, you're like, boy, there. <laughs> I mean, if he would have just swung the chainsaw out, he would have got her right there. But no, they was too busy <laughs> trying to step and make sure they don't fall down. Pretty lame. I feel like this is the Leatherface that that never tries. <laughs> he doesn't seem to try as hard as the other ones. Absolutely. I mean, you, we had in the first film, you have like a three hundred pound Gunner Hansen running his ass off. You know, for not, I mean, so many scenes, and in this one, the guy just seems like yeah, too good for this stuff. Well, <laughs> even when he chases her to the house and she goes in the front door, how long does it take him to figure out to use the chainsaw? On the door. Come on. You, 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 maybe it's just the fact of because it's an iconic scene from the original and they're trying to do something different with it. But you're like, come on. You you cut the door. That's what you do. And he's like banging the the door with the chainsaw without it running. It's like, this is just retarded. <laughs> well, they do reference. I mean, they do reference that same line. Look yeah. what your brother did to the door. Like yeah. W.E. says it later. Like, like and, three uh, times. Yeah, and then Matthew McConaughey, when he says it, he picks it up and throws the door across the room. <laughs> like he was just chewing all the damn scenery, man. Which the way the way that shot, I don't think that was scripted either. And Matthew McConaughey was just throwing stuff around the set. And they're like, oh, this guy's this guy's out there. This is method acting. But yeah, man, she climbs that antenna on top of the house and then jumps on like a support line or something that's hanging up there. And and the smartest thing he's done yet is cuts that wire and she goes goes through Leatherface's greenhouse. So if you watch this movie for any one thing, it's the fact that Leatherface has a greenhouse in this movie. He's got a green thumb, man. Well, that that fall too, man. That was a, I know it's a two story fall, but it's also through wood and glass. Right. <laughs> like she she came on, she came away pretty unscathed. <laughs> After he, this, he he ends up chasing her to Darla's office, and and that chase that, scene that, too, man. That chase scene because they're trying to do the the same scene from the original, which is horrifying. You go back and watch the original. <laughs> the scene where he's chasing her is incredibly scary. 
you watch this one and they're playing some rock music in the background you're like man that's such a bad choice you, you it probably maybe would have worked if you weren't playing i don't know whatever it was uh spin doctors <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it just didn't work yeah a lot of really bad musical choices in this movie they should have they they had a few little bits of music that like some somebody wrote like an okay score to this and i i had the subwoofer turned way high on my surround sound when i watched this and there's some great little hits of just like pure bass that gives you like a little bit of menace but yeah then you get the like bad 90s rock music in there that is just the the bane of horror movies that were made around this time and it's like oh what were you thinking yeah. i know you guys were trying to be like hip and cool but this is aged horribly yeah <laughs> yeah i agree the uh do you have any of the dialogue when she first gets to Darla's realty office? I don't have it from there, but because I do where, where she's in the trunk of the car. <laughs> oh, she, she really shines through her her real um, the way she really talks shines through when she goes into that Darla's office because she she's sitting there all, all frantic and you know panicking and she's like he hit a chainsaw he hit a chainsaw it's like a, like like oh he wasn't was a trying chainsaw. to hurt you honey he wasn't he was just trying to get scare you Darla she ends up making a phone call and uh, Jeff Jeff Faxworthy shows up and ends up bagging her but he's got a cattle prod right that's what that is oh yeah. <laughs> And he's just buzzing. He's just sticking her all all over with that thing. And all so, through but, uh, this, all through this section right here too, you get so much of the same dialogue from the original movie. Why are you doing this? And I mean, she says almost the exact lines that's in the original. I'll do whatever you want. And all these, I mean, it, it's almost identical to to the original movie. And uh, so they cattle prod her and, and wrap her up. And instead of putting her in the passenger side of the truck in the original, they put her in the trunk of this hoopty car. <laughs> that belongs to Finkel and Einhorn, and uh, it's like a mom car kind of. It's like the way you get driven to soccer practice too in like the late eighties. Yeah, and she's so nonchalant, worried about getting in trouble that she decides she's going to stop and get pizza and take it home. You know, <laughs> and which, top- which family member was they, she orders three pizzas? What what family member was getting the vegetarian pizza? <laughs> Serious? That's a serious question. I want to know which one of them is getting the vegetarian pizza. Probably because hard. it was like, yeah, it was you so would think strange. They'd like, all be they'd all be fans of the meat meat lovers pizza because right, exactly. they're supposed to be cannibals, which never know, right? ever gets brought up in this movie. <laughs> but they, she stops to get pizza, and she keeps hearing uh, the the guy that's waiting on her at the drive through says, "Hey, I think there's something in your trunk." She says, eh, "It's a body that I've got back there," and she's you know kind of doing that nonchalant making a joke thing even though she's telling the truth and then she pops the trunk open goes back there (laughs) and you get this (laughs) this incredible incredible piece of of quality filmmaking right here (laughs) shut up and quit kicking my car okay but i can't breathe look on the bus can i get your order please (laughs) okay but i can't breathe i mean Somebody has cattle prodded you. You've been chased by a guy with a chainsaw. You're in the back of a car. That's your response instead of get me out of here, you yeah. know, or anything. <laughs> okay, but I can't and breathe. She's really when, when she's <laughs> going along with the whole thing really nonchalantly. Like when in reality, yeah. When as soon as the trunk went open, most people would be shrieking bloody murder, saying "Get me the get me out of here." <laughs> nice cover up. Oh yeah, she really is. <laughs> 
I mean, uh, like, if it were me, I'd be poking at that trash bag with my teeth and my tongue like Stanley Sp- Spadowski in UHF when he's trying to get the blindfold down. <laughs> I, I, w- I, would make it, I would make an air hole in that damn thing. Hey, my shirt glows in the dark. <laughs> yeah, if, if you think you're about to be killed and you're in somebody's trunk, you're going to be chewing your way out of that thing, like, yeah. somehow. <laughs> Stanley Spadowski, you got me on that one, man. <laughs> I'm thinking the, the, of the something blue. <laughs> I'm thinking of something orange. You know what it is? Isn't it's it? orange. An orange. I've got a niche. I've got a niche. I've got a niche. <laughs> did, did we talk about when the really dumb male cop walks up and is like, what's in your trunk, lady? She says something, but she basically just gives him the pretty eyes and like wink, bl- winks and blinks a few times and just drives away. And the right. cop's just like, meh, gives the other cop the shoulder sh- shrug. I did my best. Yeah. That's and the it, end of that investigation. Well, she, <laughs> like he, I think he's it, trying to pick so up. Funny. I mean, it, <laughs> Oh yeah, it shows you. It shows you. I mean, exactly. <laughs> like he comes up to her and he's like, "I need what's in your trunk?" And she's like, "Wouldn't you like to know?" He's like, "No, but seriously, huh? What's in your trunk?" And she goes, "Uh, uh, uh," and then just walks off. <laughs> Most cops would have you on the ground and being beaten <laughs> at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that she drives off and they and they trail her a little bit and they come up beside her again and she just waves at them, you know. One of the uh, the other funniest lines in this movie is coming up. She ends up driving up that dirt road and finding Heather crawling across the road. <laughs> <laughs> and Heather's like, help me, help okay. me. So she gets out. Okay, hold on. She picks up. Before we go okay. there, though, we, we got to ask the question. Why? <laughs> Why is she in the road? How did she get off the hook? No idea. <laughs> How did she end up? They never addressed that at all. Walking. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to slow you down, but that's the one that right there. I just threw the brakes on. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did they cut something out? Because. How do you how do you get yourself oh, off you on the Imagine a director's cut of this. We need a director's cut now. Uh, the twenty minute sequence of her dragging herself through the woods after having been hung on it. She's the only one in the se- entire series, like of all the people to get meat hooked, which is almost every movie. She's the only one that got off the hook and got away. Almost <laughs> off the. Hook. That's some that's some good upper body strength and stuff. Off the hook. Yeah. She grabs she she grabs a stick off the side of the road, and as she's walking up to her, she goes, she's like. No, don't hit me. Don't hit me. <laughs> and, and clearly and, really hitting her. Like it's it's not shot oh, like it looks fake. It, it looks like she's really hitting her. <laughs> just just not in the head hard. With a stick. <laughs> just not not super no. hard, but she's really hitting her. She's like, oh, like stop it. <laughs> it's like love taps with a nerf bat. I mean, <laughs> It's it's pathetic. <laughs> I mean, and again, I know what they're going for because it's in the original, and it's an infamous scene because they said that Toby Hooper actually gave him this big wooden stick and said, "Yeah, just just whack him," you know. And so they're trying to recreate that here, and it's just, oh, it, it's so bad. It's it's incredible. Eventually, they get back to the house, and uh, apparently, see, that's another thing we were talking about, like, uh, not necessarily the emasculation, but the just the weakness of Leatherface in this movie. Right. When they get back to the house, W.E.'s chasing him around with the cattle prod, and Leatherface is just running. <laughs> in, in the previous film, one of the family members threw his headphones into the oven, and he makes them get it with his bare hands. <laughs> but this one, he's just running around being chased with a cattle prod. Oh, yeah, not, not scary at all. No. No, n- not at all, and and so they they come into the house and, and she lets W know that there's a girl up the road. I thought she was gonna pick her up or kill her or something. She just left her there after she hit her a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just went around her and said, "Hey, there's somebody out there. You might want to go get her." Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we get 
we get these uh, family kitchen shenanigans, which are they, they include they include such dialogue as Vilmer. She's like, I wish he had told you, W.E., that I didn't that I was getting pizzas. She's, I'm so sick of this shit. I'm like, really? You guys have pizza squ- <laughs> squabbles nightly? Like, how often do you guys have pizza issues? Uh, <laughs> then you get the shoe beating. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. What the heck? Oh man, a good spiked heel. That's that's a formidable weapon, and Ooh. she she just goes to town like, <laughs> like they're, they're they're all fighting. Matthew McConaughey eventually shows up and is real menacing. But yeah, then uh, I, I keep wanting to call her the Lady in Lavender because when we first meet her, she's like dressed in purple. But right? whatever the other chick's name is, she yeah she starts beating Finkel. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Finkel starts beating. Finkel. All right, all right, all right, with a a spiked heel, and it's one of many times where Renee Zellweger could just waltz out the door and nobody would even know. It's so frustrating to see her just like sitting there, just standing there, like doing nothing. And, that happens uh, a lot. It a happens lot. a bunch of oh, times yeah. in this movie. Like <laughs> almost the whole last third act, she could have walked away at any point. And uh, so McConaughey opens the trash bag like it's a Christmas present and starts having fun with Renee Zellweger, which it's a lot of, there's a lot of there are a few scenes with both of them in it where it had to be really uncomfortable to film yeah. just because he's sticking his fingers in her mouth oh, yeah. and like all yeah. sorts of crazy he's stuff. He's like screaming in her ear and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't fun, but you suffer for horror movies like this. And like clearly she had never seen the other movies and knew what she was getting herself into. Yeah. Sometimes the fans suffer for horror movies like this. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> they end up going upstairs, Darla and uh, Jenny. And. Is she's like put? Was she putting makeup on her or cleaning her up? What's she doing to her up there? They, they have girl talk, and this is where they first start talking about the, the other really, really weird part of this movie, which is like what what Vilmer does for a living. Right. And apparently, he works. He works for, he works the, for Illuminati. the Illuminati. Yeah, the Illuminati. Apparently, the the people that really run things, not the government. These people, and nobody knows their names. And it sounds like just the ramblings of an insane person. And I think that's why the first time I saw this, uh, the ending took me by so much surprise. When another character shows up, um, and like th- this time they hint, I-, I caught that they hint at it a few times, like in the middle of it. But yeah, there- there's a whole weird subplot of this thing about these Illuminati people that is never really explained, uh, doesn't really go anywhere, and I have no idea why it's in this movie. I kind of like the Illuminati thing later because uh, when the guy is talking to her, he says, you know. I think it's the guy that comes in later in the movie. I think he says something to the effect of, they do this to create fear. Like, kind of one of those, like, the elites feed off the fear and the bad energy of, uh, you know. That's kind of one of those things. So I, I kind of went with it, the later viewings of this movie. or When I first saw it, I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, no, that yeah. is a it is a and, cool uh, idea that like they don't really they don't really go anywhere with in this kind of they just kind of hint at but yeah they don't hash it out at all. Well, they, then- they try and redo the dinner scene, <laughs> which like you can't do better than the original movie. It's one of the most psychotic scenes yes. in any movie ever filmed, and you can really just see the whole cast going completely insane as they're filming this, and it's it feels so authentic. And this, it feels really forced and kind of stale. And the only part of it that I thought was kind of good that kind of worked is when the old man wakes up and <laughs> like picks up a kitchen knife, because you can't really tell. The makeup is done well enough that you can't really tell if this guy is like a wax like fake dummy corpse 
corpse because they have all these like they have a giant dinner table and all the extra seats yeah, are taken up it, by dead bodies it, and there's this old man to- that they keep keep showing like they keep having shots of this old man and you can't really tell and then yeah eventually he does just like wake up and pick up a kitchen knife and start wandering around and it's kind of demented and it kind of that that part of the scene worked for me the rest of this felt forced and stale kind of well you got instead of the the meat With, on the table you got a pizza party going on for one day. well yeah that part is you kinda, got Leatherface dressed up as Joan Collins and then, <laughs> and then you got like you said dude it gets up but it looks just like Happy Birthday to Me, where they've got all the bodies around the table. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Happy Birthday to Me. That's why you and I have a show together, man. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie I, I a long time. I swear I was thinking. Totally right. So they're, they're having this family dinner, and uh, so she does. She escapes. <laughs> and then dinner. <laughs> well, it's a pizza party. Yeah. It's a chainsaw house. Well, it's just still. I mean, it's just, it's just comical to hear that. Well, they're having this family dinner. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just family dinner at the Leatherface house. To them. <laughs> the uh, when I mean after a few escapes, escape attempts, and then br- being brought into the house and stuff, they look out the window. They hear a, a limo coming up the the drive, and that's when Michael Corleone shows up. <laughs> and ba- basically, I guess he's just there to set Vilmer straight to be like, "Hey, you're you're having too much fun with these shenanigans. You, you're yeah. just you know we need you to just do your job and not play so much." Yeah. This guy walks in and uh, he walks over to the floor and picks up a slice. A pizza that's full, and then another slice that has a bite taken out of it. Picks them up and throws them on the table. Like I don't know if he was the cleaning guy off when he wasn't on set, but he walked. I don't know why he's picking pizza up off the floor. But then he goes over to Renee Zellweger and he's got his the bottom of his shirt open, like he's from like one of those dudes from Jersey. And you see, he's got these weird, weird like hieroglyphic markings. And he's got like three pierced lower stomach nipples, yeah. and. He, he goes up to her and starts lick, like you said, the face licker. He starts Jeez. licking her face, and <laughs> they probably only told him to do that once. It seems like that actor had way too much fun with it. It seems like he yeah. was just going way overboard with the licks. It's, a, and it's and the one time where her her reaction is genuine. Like she sounds genuinely grossed out. Sure. I think you're right. They, yeah. they maybe didn't tell her. Oh yeah. They're- to do that, and they only did it once. So this is your Illuminati tie-in. This is your, you know, the, the Illuminati being in charge of everything, and this is the representation that you get. So you know? weird. It, it feels like it belongs in a different movie or something. It's like a cool idea that just doesn't fit here, and it's so weird. Well, we just skipped my favorite part, though, and that's when they, when they just decided to set Heather on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. That's the best, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's done pretty badly, too. I mean, they, they probably had a super limited, like, they, they could get, like, 30 seconds of an actual stunt woman on fire. And then when they have the actual actress in the shots, you can really tell that she's not actually on fire. And right. she's not acting very convincingly. And, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's still a hilarious scene. She gets caught on fire, and she runs over to the wall, and they extinguish her, and she falls down like you think she's dead or whatever. And then after that's when you get face liquor. And then when he leaves, that's when, when Robo Red goes over and, and does the, the head smash. Yeah, that scene takes forever for him to, like, get his robot leg to... to- <laughs> Like compress, I guess, to do something like it crushes her skull and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And he's well, making these faces. Well, earlier in the movie, like, like it's hard to control. Oh, that's, but, what was, that's what I was going to say about the faces. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's just that, <laughs> that thing, man. I mean, it's like, dude, your leg's robotic. Why do you have to make faces like you're doing it with your own will? You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's run by remote control. <laughs> I think they saw a few screen grabs from this when they cast him into a, into a Time to Kill. Oh, man. They were like, you know what? This is the guy. Yeah, this is the guy we want. Right here. Crazy enough, right here. <laughs> is this the scene where Leatherface, um, where, where basically Jenny tells them that she's going to leave? <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm going to leave now. And, and, and Leatherface stands up and goes, ah! And she goes, you sit back down. You're right, yeah. And I'm like, and he does. He does. He sits back down. I'm like, in the original movie, he would have cranked the chainsaw and chased you halfway through the house. It's just, or just like thrown a hammer at her face or flipped the something. table, done something. Yeah. She, she tells him, she's like, you sit down. And he does. And I mean, grant, granted, <laughs> she, at this point, I think she has a double barrel shotgun in her hands, but she doesn't check to see if it's loaded. She doesn't pull the hammers back so that it's actually cocked so you can actually <laughs> shoot the thing. But yeah, she, she becomes a tough guy for a few minutes and oh. re- really tries to act and really is just like, oh, God, I've seen community theater <laughs> actors that could run circles around you lady <laughs> but come on man who can do a better remote control fight than these two <laughs> that, that, yeah that's, that's for matthew mcconaughey he, he gets the stanky leg and he, he does a little right. you know, some break break dance moves on the floor and it's pretty pretty so, comical seriously folks i mean you get a part where there's two remote controls mcconaughey's got one she's got the other and instead of her getting away they spend time giving him the stanky leg <laughs> <laughs> it, it, she defeats it. Defeats him with a TV controller. <laughs> so so right bizarre. At, I love right after this though because she runs out of the house. Leatherface starts chasing her eventually, and Matthew McConaughey goes to the porch <laughs> and starts pulling. It's like a magician's trick. He keeps pulling remotes out of his pocket, like like he just and none of them are working. <laughs> and his and his dialogue and his yelling. It's almost. It's almost like a unintelligible. Like you almost can't understand what he's saying. But he's like, ah, leather, oh, yeah, leather. And I'm like, dude, does someone just wake him up out of like a coke frenzy? Has anybody tried watching those scenes with the subtitles on? I, I didn't even think of that. But no, yeah, a lot I, of that. that's a good idea. <laughs> The subtitled people are probably like, we don't know what he's saying. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's, he's, high, he's high as a kite right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what, though, man. Like, I don't, I don't remember exactly. I think it was like five, maybe six remotes he pulls out. But I'm like, how deep are your pockets? Are you wearing Jinkos? Like, <laughs> how many, how many damn remotes do you have? All right, Johnny. So and, from, uh, from this point on, man, though, I mean, you can almost. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this now, but. Because of what happens next, because there's an RV involved, what do you think is more powerful, the ending of this movie or the ending of Blood Savage? Oh, I think the ending of Blood Savage is better. <laughs> okay, cool. Because <laughs> they're they're, they're, they're very that? they're very similar as far as well, kind of what in, happens. Blood Savage though, they're driving on rims, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> The ending of this movie still kind of infuriates me, honestly. <laughs> this is a really, really anticlimactic, like, last five minutes of this thing where I'm just like, oh, why? Because they go, you know, uh, a movie I always loved growing up as a kid, North by Northwest. Can we end it something like that? <laughs> <laughs> they oh knew a God. guy with a with a stunt plane. They said, well, can we borrow you for a day? And that's how they ended their movie. <laughs> 
But you gotta love the old people. Yeah. It's in the RV, though, man. I mean, those guys. I mean, they have names. <laughs> I don't remember what they are, but they and they're they're Mister and Mrs. Something that's not the same. So they're not like a married couple <laughs> drinking Bloody it, Marys, cruising down the road in the RV. Yeah. <laughs> not a dirt road in the middle of like a prairie, kind of like it's like are you guys. You guys must be lost, and you don't. I'm, I'm still hung up on the fact that they don't have the same last name. I'm like, of all the things in this movie, that's what I'm curious about. I'm like, what, what's the story with these two? <laughs> old people are they like we need the, co- their origin co-workers? story are they out are they in a band like are they out on tour or something like what, what's the deal with those two they and they dr- almost had a story but not and quite they're in a band called grandma and grandpa fudge <laughs> <laughs> but they're driving slow enough to be able to get her on there and Leatherface not. Yeah, well, that, well, they don't want to either. Doesn't the woman say to speed yeah. up? <laughs> yeah. They don't even want to pick her up. Yeah, <laughs> they they should have made like, Leatherface trip or something because that whole that whole exchange is pretty painful. Where like, yeah, they're going just slow enough that she can get in there, but Leatherface, who's like two feet away, could easily reach her or like swing the chainsaw and hit her. For some reason, doesn't. This is like, oh, you see this? You see this in bad movies a lot, like the <laughs> the, the really just amateurish like chase scene kind of thing and it's painful the thing is too like i i don't completely i understand it was a setup stunt but i don't understand how the rv flipped <laughs> i mean, it just seems like yeah, I mean, it hits a, a bundle of twigs and it's on its side well and, and the fact that it's only going about 30 miles an hour and <laughs> they they ramsack the side of it and it crashes into a like a beaver dam or something <laughs> <laughs> they have beavers in texas Sure they do. Yeah, I believe sure so. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they do in this movie. Oh man. <laughs> the uh well the thing is after this, I don't know where Vilmer came from, but now Leatherface is on the back of his truck. Right. <laughs> so going back to like part two where you know Leatherface is on the back of the truck and swinging the, the chainsaw and stuff. So you can tell that that's kinda where they got this idea. It be- it becomes a foot chase. She climbs out of the RV and starts running down the dirt road. Leatherface, again, not making much of an effort to do anything. He's he's pretty far behind her and Vilmer. And that plane that we've seen, you know, n- we've seen swoop low a few times, just happens to swoop low and I guess guess he's just doing his good deed for the day and and knocks Matthew McConaughey's face with a propeller. Oh, that's just so ridiculous, man. Such an oh, unceremonious is. death to the best character in this movie. Like, oh. they could have done so much better than that, but like I said, they knew a guy with a plane, and they got to borrow him for a day, so... I mean, that's, he, that's how- he could have just stepped in a hole, you know? He could have just stepped in a hole, and his mechanical leg freak out and kills him. But no, let's have a plane swoop down and hit him. And when it hits him, and he hits the ground... Instead of blood, let's have like hydraulic fluid come out of it. Yeah, I, I, I think even better than the plane would have been if just she would have just like stolen the truck and run him over like she like he did to the other guy earlier in the movie like right. five or six thousand times like that. That would have been better. Movie, <laughs> movie. <laughs> can we can we talk for a second about uh, the shriek that Leatherface does when she oh. sees his dead body? Or I say she, he when he sees her his dead body. It's it is very it's very like a woman who just lost her husband. It's very weird because yeah. it it almost implies that Leatherface was in love with Matthew McConaughey or something. Yeah, who, who knows, <laughs> it's, man? It's just, or he's just playing that part. It feels like a bizarre like opera or something for a second because you got like these really like just like it, it looks oh god it's it's hard to explain but yeah it, it feels almost like Leatherface is like communicating dialogue only in like high pitched shrieking <laughs> and <laughs> he's 
trying to express like this deep emotion, like he just lost somebody that he, he loves, and like it, it, it again, it feels like a different movie for a second. Like it feels like a something out of like Repo the Genetic Opera right, or something. Yeah, that's a good, that's like, a good scenario. Yeah. Bizarro, bizarro choices in this movie. Well, this Leatherface, this is the first Leatherface in any of the movies. I think, no, not the first. This is the only Leatherface that gets as much, that, that's as vocal as he is. Because right. in the other movies, they're, they're grunts and they're like sh- kind of shrieks and stuff. But this one, it's nonstop. And I think that actually took away from it. I yes. think you need him to be a silent killer. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that hurt the character more than anything else because it gets annoying. Because it doesn't matter what's going on. He, he's just going crazy and and it's like mark was saying not scary if anything it just makes you go Ugh. that's when the limo drives up exactly. right exactly i was gonna say and out of nowhere here comes the limo <laughs> and uh yeah and of course corleone it's, yeah it's crazy corleone dude and uh she gets in the limo yeah like she hadn't had enough weird stuff going on she's not second guessing anything <laughs> i'm in the middle of nowhere and there's a limousine Sure, makes perfect sense. She gets in there and uh, he's reading a paper. Like it was going to be some like big reveal for the audience, but we all saw the limo pull up to their front yard. Yeah, <laughs> right, not like right. yeah. <laughs> there, there was not much of a reveal there. <laughs> he basically tells her the whole thing, uh, why they do it. You know about the the whole creating, creating fear and and all this bad stuff or whatever. And then he offers to take her to the hospital or to the police, and she chooses the hospital. Either yeah. way, it didn't really matter. Right. Right. <laughs> And of course, the hospital scene. What you get here is a a sort of reunion of the original cast for a second. Mm-hmm. So you get yeah, uh, John Dugan. John Dugan's talking to her. Dugan's the cop. And you got Partain is the guy pushing the the gurney the, through the hospital, and then obviously that's you know our star from the first movie on the bed, who, who in the credits is anonymous. <laughs> I had I had no idea any of those people were in this movie. Yeah. That went by so fast, or I just must not have been paying attention for a second or something. But well, I missed all of those. Even people. Partain had like a like the 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 barbecue in his mouth, like he was like he was biting the barbecue and pushing her down. Did the he really? Yeah, I didn't notice that. Wow. Yeah, it was like the sausage or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't a vegetarian slice of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that that's uh, the- that's this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the, the ending was really weird, too. Just, I mean, right before we cut it off there, uh, before it goes to credits, because the, the guy keeps asking her if she recognized those people. And I'm like, what are they implying? Like, what's the, what are they implying here? Like, is she supposed to know Sally? Yeah, like, <laughs> why mean, would she know something that happened 20-some-odd years before, and she would know these people? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it was just to get you to look at them, I guess, more than anything well, else. I, I, it almost seems like it's implying also that Sally's been in the hospital ever since then. Because in part two, they say she went into like a catatonic state. And I wonder if that's what it is, that she's been at this hospital for 20 years. Who cares? <laughs> we're putting more th- we're putting more thought into it than the, the screenwriter did. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, Kim, Hinkle gave, Kim Hinkle was like, no, we're just going to put these people here and it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, hey, so out of this movie... Uh, what would you upgrade about this movie, guys? I, I think this movie honestly could have used a. You could have given Matthew McConaughey like a lot more to do, and I would have been totally cool with that. I, I he's like, to me, he's kind of the reason to watch this. Uh, is for his totally insane performance. Like, it's it's Matthew McConaughey at his absolute most insane, and it's 
those bits are pretty entertaining if you kind of look at this in the non-serious kind of way. So yep. that that would be, there are a lot of other things, but I think you guys are probably going to hit on them. That that would be my thing is uh, give him McConaughey some more to do. He's hilarious in this. Mine are pretty simple. Leatherface's wig, Leatherface's dialogue, and how about some characters that you actually care about? Yeah. <laughs> Barry, uh, that, that guy, that guy is no no protagonist. He he is a scumbag. One thing I noticed though, and of course I've heard it said a bunch, but even with this movie, I think it applies. But I think Rob Zombie even borrowed things from this movie in his movies. Really? Yeah. There's there's really there's some things in there to me. Almost the character in House of a Thousand Corpses to me is almost McConaughey-ish as far as the way he acts. I just, I don't know, there's a vibe there to me that I think he kind of pulled from. I can see that now. Yeah, yeah I can totally see that. You're talking about Otis, like when he's talking to the cheerleaders and stuff? Right, right. I, to, to me, there's a, a wackiness that's not in the other Texas Chainsaw movies that is deliberately from this one that that I just, I just kind of feel, it may be a coincidence, but it feels like that was kind of borrowed from something, if not this movie, something a lot like it, because it takes that kind of crazy, you know, the whole thing where he points at them with the, the two fingers at the eyes and all that kind of weird stuff. It's it's too similar to me, but that's just me. <laughs> nah, I can, no, I can I totally, totally see, see that. <laughs> the, uh, the upgrade I would give this movie is I just wish there were more rabid trash bag attacks. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, that was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> Rabbit. Well, if, you, if you need your trash bag fix, go check out another really terrible movie, Attack of the Leeches, where the leeches are all made out of trash bags. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I've never seen that. <laughs> it's an MST3K. It's a pretty good one. It, uh, maybe I have seen it then. It's an it's it's old old Corman movie. It's 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 hilariously bad. I don't know if I've seen that episode. That's kind of weird because I thought I'd seen them all. Because I, I don't remember trash bag leeches. <laughs> so, uh... What what good lessons did you guys learn from this movie? Anything you can use in life? Watch out for planes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get in trucks with hitchhikers with robot legs. One of the lessons I took away from this is blue balls. Blue balls causes prostate cancer. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. I love uh, if you're if you're really hot, you can get away with having a body in your trunk, and a cop won't say anything. True, very true. Well, mine is uh, if you're abducted, if you play nice, they'll just poke a hole in your bag for you. <laughs> if you ask politely, I learned that uh, rednecks know their, their historic quotes. Jeff Faxworthy. <laughs> That's great. You know, the, one thing I learned that'll be useful later in my life is the best way to get a girl's attention or get her to flash you is throwing a rock through a window. <laughs> yeah, I wish Make I'd sure. known that all this time. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they, I was they, they don't, rock through windows they, for no, no purpose. They don't feel compelled to do anything unless you actually break glass. It's that's oh, like the key to a woman's heart is breaking her windows. Um, <laughs> there, there were several "What were you thinking?" moments in this movie. What do you guys have for that? <laughs> I'll, I'll reiterate that all of Leatherface. What were you thinking? Like, yes, guy, yes. Uh, so many, so many bad choices as far as Leatherface goes. His wardrobe is terrible. Is the the masks are pretty. The masks are okay. Yeah, they're uh, okay. I'll kind of give them that. You, you get a little bit more facial expression. I think they're made out of like slightly. They're meant to look a little fresher, so you get like a little bit more movement out of like the eyebrows and the mouth and the lips, and you get a little bit more expression, which is important to this stupid, awful leather face because he <laughs> cries like he's in horrible agony through the entire movie. Um, so the masks are okay. Everything. 
Everything else about this Leatherface, I absolutely loathe and think it was a complete misfire and dud. So, yeah. What I understand about the guy who got hired as Leatherface, he was a local radio DJ here in Austin. He actually hosted a morning show with Gibby Haynes from Butthole Surfers. Oh, and, boy. Yeah, and supposedly uh, Kim Hinkle knew both those guys, and this guy got in this role. But somehow they were really good friends with Kim Hinkle or something. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was really strange. I didn't realize Gibby Haynes from Butthole Surfers had a radio show, yeah. but apparently he did back then. I just love the fact that Leatherface is dressed like, with the camo jacket and the purple pants, it's like he's one of the members of the Gap Band or something. <laughs> it's just so weird. <laughs> he just looks like like every guy that shops at Walmart at like 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Dead skin mask and all. Oh, yep, that, that, yeah. that bloody apron. The apron is off too. It hangs almost all the way down to his ankles, and yeah. there's a couple shots yeah. where it looks like he's wearing a skirt, and it looks ridiculous. <laughs> that may have been a fashion thing for Leatherface in this one. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the one thing I don't know if you guys noticed, and I was going to bring it up earlier, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, "What were they thinking?" Was when she's at the drive-through and she's talking to the cop, and she walks away from him. The guy says, "Here are your drinks," and he hands her two bags. <laughs> Bags of drinks? Are you serious? Here are your bags of drinks. Bags of drinks. Usually those come in the little tray in cups. Maybe in some places they 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 put them in bags. I don't know. That was so weird. To me. I, everything's bigger in Texas. I need a grocery bag sized bag of Seven Up with my pizzas. The, I mean, now I'm craving pizza. The only other thing that I was like, what were they thinking was the, uh, that I mentioned it earlier that <laughs> you're scaring me. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. he just murdered somebody. You should be beyond, you should be pooping your pants at this point. Oh, man. Yeah. That, it's, I, I'm scared. My, what were they thinking? Just a pretty basic plane. Really? <laughs> yeah. Robo leg? Really? I mean, yep. <laughs> I wonder how many attachments he has for that leg. <laughs> it would be awesome. What <laughs> if that leg gets Wi-Fi? <laughs> oh, man. oh man! Nowadays, you know, it'd be like connected to a smartphone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> control it with his phone. The eye leg. The eye leg. <laughs> <laughs> they call it the eye walk. Ooh, the eye walk. <laughs> I guess with that, we just decide where we're going to set it on the bus, man. What do y'all think? I'll let you guys go first. At, all right. After my for a really long time, this this is like almost off off of the bus. Not not just the back. This is get off of my bus. <laughs> uh, after watching it this time, there, there's a few. There's enough about this that like. I, I didn't like punch my TV after watching it. Basically, so th- this would be like uh, this. This would be like the the seat in front of the back seat for me. It's it's not not quite absolutely the worst thing I've ever seen. There's actually a couple things I think are are right about it. If you're a Matthew McConaughey completist, you have to see this. Yep. If you're a Renee Zellweger fan, don't see this. She will make your brain melt. Have how bad she is in this and uh if you're a texas chainsaw completist um this is still well uh this and 3d for me kind of tie for the worst in the franchise because 3d is really really bad too but um, i would i honestly out of the series i think i would i would rate this higher than 3d in part three uh, well, what about the stupid beginnings movie? The yeah, the beginnings I, not I very did, good I either. I didn't mind 
I didn't mind the beginning, yeah. honestly. I mean, it was it was more gratuitous and more kind of uh, cookie cutter than the other ones. But I, I thought the, I thought it was I thought the, uh, the beginning was all right. It, isn't that kind of what we're getting again with this new relaunch? It's kind of like the beginning all over again. Yeah, this new this oh, new man. Leatherface movie has uh, bad written all over it because it's getting a limited theatrical run and then very anyway, it's actually going to be on like Direct TV or something before anything else and then limited theatrical VOD. Uh, I'm seeing and this is coming like here in a couple months and I've seen zero advertisement for this. They're just now getting around to releasing like set photos of it and it's not looking good. Although it is by the inside guys, which gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah, I was reading that. Uh, I was reading that it was going to be a, a like a natural born killers, devil's reject st- style movie where it, Leatherface is young and it's him and three other people on the road and going and basically killing people. That's that's basically what they made it sound like. They said they want to make it like one of those on the road murdering spree movies. Yeah, I'd heard so. I don't know like how, that too. So but it's like what I don't know how they're going to pull that off. What led him to become Leatherface in the long run? You know the. the mm-hmm. The building up to it, I guess. So, yeah, not really interested. But anyways, that, it, to me, we just keep killing the icons when we just keep dragging on. And explanation of stuff kills it. And again, Johnny, and I, were, Johnny and I were talking earlier because I'm a big Phantasm fan, which I've got a, a show to do for, for that or for the second one. And the beauty of that is, you know, you got to know when to stop trying to give backgrounds on everything and explanations. Who cares, man? It's scarier when you don't know. Yeah, the, the point of doing more movies, like, I, it should be like, a, if you're doing a sequel, like, continue the story, but don't go back and retcon all the stuff that, like, right. you didn't, didn't need, basically. You don't, you know, like, the, that is absolutely the worst thing you can do to a truly scary, like, movie monster is to explain it too much. Right. They, they explain, like, Jaws and, like, <laughs> you know... To, to me, like Leatherface is kind of the jaws of these movies, and if the if the shark doesn't work, the whole movie doesn't work, basically. True, so, true. well, they even tried to do the same thing with with Pinhead too, with the Hellraiser stuff, which he's not even supposed to be that kind of character. So, nah. you know, don't don't do it, man. Just just continue it on. You don't have to you don't have to give me backstories of why he was the <laughs> way he is. So, yeah, actually, uh, this would be a lot lower if we hadn't been doing this show. But because of the movies that we have already seen, I'm gonna put it on. The, I'm gonna put it on the second seat from the front. I mean, it's 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 bad. You know, so that's the thing about it, Mark. On this bus, we know they're bad. From from, it's not like the front seat is the or the great movies in the back are the really really bad. Right. There is no good on this bus. But uh, to me, it's it's not it's not Ninja Three good, Domination good. Like uh, would be front seat. I say it's second seat from there. It, it's in between second seat and third seat seat on the bus for me. So, but is nowhere near some of the other stuff we've already set through. <laughs> I, I would put it in that same seat, second from the front. Yeah. Um, I was almost in the middle, but I've seen this movie so many times that it's kind of like, if I've seen it this many times and I've endured it, it means it has rewatchability. This could be a party movie. You could actually have some people over and laugh about how bad it is. So that makes it okay. Eh. You know, you, you can actually just get with your friends and talk about how bad it is and, and enjoy it. Uh, I don't, well, enjoy not the movie, but making fun of it. <laughs> Yeah, some movies don't even get that. Where I mean, no. even a party or having friends over, like like we we're saying, Battlefield Earth. I mean, yeah, there's there's not there's no no redeemable quality of that movie. No, I mean everybody would if you invited people over to watch Battlefield Earth, they would just leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that bad. I enjoy talking about this movie. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got enough wacky stuff. I had two and a half pages of notes for this one. I mean, you know, that doesn't happen. It, it, but it just it had so much stuff that referred to the to the original. And and again, the movie has heart. It just doesn't deliver. And I think with all the, the back and forth of it being shelved and all that stuff, hurts it even more because it makes it infamous, makes you want to see it. But then you really you're still kind of getting a turd sandwich either way you look at it. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, it is what it is. So I don't, I don't hate it, but it's not one I'll revisit a lot. But in a party situation, I could see where it'd be fun. It's, it's as entertaining as as Troll Two. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I used to hate this movie, and I, I think after this rewatch, I, I, I no longer hate this movie, and I well, feel a little bad for trashing the VHS of it. But well, and that's hard to get over too, because that stuff stays with you. Because to this day, I hate Carnosaur. And I could probably watch it now and laugh at it. But when it came out, it was almost like it, it offended me. Almost like a slap in the face. I was like, this is the most retarded thing, which I think it still is. But it's hard to get over when you already initially hate something to to change your mind on it. So kudos to you, Art. Uh, <laughs> people can change their minds sometimes. If you can change and I can change. We can all change. That's my Rocky Four speech, you know. I, didn't, I don't sound like Rocky. But if you can change, <laughs> it's like David Lee Roth. Bozy, bozy, bop. A little more feedback there, Johnny. We're going to take a little short break. We'll be right back after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. All right, folks, that's another one for us. Man, it was fun. Uh, great having Mark on the show, and he's got a lot of the same sense of humor and likes a lot of the same stuff. And don't forget to check out his show, Fancy and Friends. You may hear some of your colleagues here on his show that uh, pop in on his show from time to time. And uh, if if we have good behavior, maybe he'll ask us back on sometime. That'd be fun. Mark, is awesome to have yeah. you, man. 
Yeah, most most definitely. Dude, this this show flew by. This was like one of the most fun things I've done on a podcast. So I definitely awesome. want to have you guys over, and you, you guys should have me back on sometime too. I love talking about bad movies. Yeah, tell you what, you just pick awesome. another one, bring it back, bring it back on here. We'll definitely have you back on. Sweet. You, you did bring up uh, the Leech movie, so. <laughs> I don't know if that's worthy of, of being on here or not, but who knows? That, that one's pretty bad. One one I really want to do that people don't really talk about a lot when they talk about bad movies is Reefer Madness, which is oh. one of the absolutely most painfully bad movies ever made. Like, even if you have no opinion whatsoever on marijuana as a thing, and from a cinematic standpoint, Reefer Madness is oh, that that's one that gets kicked off of the bus. You 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 go home and be a better movie. Reefer Madness. <laughs> yeah, the, the riff tracks of uh, Reefer Madness is just amazing. It's so yeah. funny. <laughs> well, that that sounds like a sounds like a challenge, man. Uh, maybe we'll we'll try to get that on the schedule. Yeah, it, that one's public domain too, so that should be on YouTube. Yeah, it should be yep. easy to find. That sounds great, man. But yeah, uh, it, it did fly by fast. And just again, just glad to have you on the show. Like I said, everybody needs to check out Fancy and Friends. Good movie dialogue show, commentary show. It, it's a lot of fun. And uh, again, hopefully Midnight uh, Horror Show will be back up and running. And uh, again, early, early show for me that, that got me into podcasting and lots of fun. Uh, a lot of different personalities on there and uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to more episodes of that myself I mean, I'm going to tell tell the other guys all of this, and maybe maybe it'll get them get them a little bit more motivated. Because yeah, it's uh, we're on a little bit of a break or what for what whatnot right now. But just, just keep an eye out uh, if you go join the Facebook group. Uh, we'll definitely let you guys know as like as soon as the show is planned, and uh, definitely want to get Ricky and Johnny. I don't know if you've ever been on the Midnight Horror Show before, but everybody over there is a no. huge fan of yours. So you should definitely like. If I'll, I'll keep you in mind, we'll try and get you on there sometime too. Yeah, cool. But, uh, yeah, like I said, definitely you guys will be be back on Fancy and Friends too here at some point. New episodes of that are coming pretty 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 soon. So, but yeah, th- thanks a lot for having me, you guys. This is a lot of fun. Everybody, oh, yeah, it's awesome, dude. Everybody's a Johnny fan. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a Johnny fan, I don't, I don't we can't be friends. <laughs> Oh, uh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> again, man, this was super, super great show, man. It was a lot of fun. And uh, if, that's, if that's it, then uh, I guess we're out of here. We'll talk to you folks later on. Take it easy. Bye. Peace.